we're doing this for a first time. <laughs> we can't promise it'll be A, good. B, you'll ever hear it again. C... Whoa, whoa. Th- they'll definitely hear it at least <laughs> one more time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when we repost it. And then, also, it might not be the same format in the future. Like, we might hear all this back and be like, oh, that was shit. This would be much better. So we've got a thumbs up from our producer. Let's make this yes. sound as professional as possible. Oh, it's a thumbs down now. He's getting beheaded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm back up again. Yeah, back up. Right, too late. He's gone. <laughs> what is going on? We are here in the bunker under duress. Um, Hack Oldham have not let us out for two and a half weeks. So we've decided to do a podcast in the time that we've spent here. Yeah, we, um, we actually did the podcast two and a half weeks ago and we've been sat here talking absolute nonsense for we will, two weeks. We will use some of the two and a half weeks worth of content that we have amassed. and uh, We'll cut that down into an introduction um, uh, of, of probably about three days. And then from there, you're going to hear an interview with uh, the leader of Oldham Council, Sean Fielding. So Sean was really interesting to speak to. Um, it's rare that you get a leader of the council, so... Not so far underground. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. <laughs> Can you answer the door, please? <laughs> Great to have Sean with us because it's where you get a council leader both so far on the ground and um, so like normal. It's it's refreshing to have a politician who's right. Hold on a sec. <laughs> Seriously, fuck off. Right. So the conversation we had with Sean, it covered a pretty diverse set of topics I'd say we ranged from uh, local transport infrastructure to what it's like waking up in the morning to an inbox full of angry tweets if that's the correct pronoun I believe the the word he used was twat yeah that was the one Um, we talked about his role in the the Greater Manchester Combined Authority Oldham's role in Greater Manchester um, as a borough in the region um, I think it is, it was, yeah, you're right, it was interesting to hear his perspective uh, and not have that kind of normal council sheen over it with the usual buzzwords. Yeah. I mean, there were, I'm sure there were a few, but... Yeah, I mean, um, one of the things we sort of did try to shy away from was asking any really hard-hitting political questions like who his favourite councillor was, yeah. who, which councillor he hated the most, yeah, if you came which for... specific constituent in Failsworth he doesn't like. <laughs> yeah, if you came uh, to this podcast for hard-hitting political questions or to find out um, what's going on in Oldham, I'm afraid you came... What are you doing with your yeah. life? <laughs> I'm afraid the title misled you. <laughs> so, so you can ask me, like, where do you think Meshling needs to go next or something like that, I don't know. Oh, I, I think I have that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we've got Sean here today, uh, leader of the council. Sean, um, how did you get to where you are now? Right. <laughs> on a bus. <laughs> oh, that's true. I, 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 I opened the door and now I was. <laughs> um, so, I, uh, I was at university about 10 years ago and I joined the Labour Students Group there. So that was back in 2009. And it was just as... Um, it, it, it was where the, the next general election was coming up and it looked like the Labour Party weren't going to do particularly well. And I kind of, from... Uh, my home life and stuff and from my dad's involvement in the trade union movement politics is always something that we talked about but actually at university I was studying um, an engineering course so I was studying civil engineering which is where you go and design bridges and motorways and all that sort of thing and actually spent some time at Sellafield nuclear power station for one summer 
So it was completely different to anything that I'm doing now and it was meant to set me up for a career in something quite different. But anyway, I joined Labour students at the university because I'd always had that interest in politics and particularly left-wing politics. Um, and when I came out of university with my uh, engineering qualification, uh, there was no work because a lot of the projects that were being built for people like me to work on were publicly funded. And when I came out of university in 2011, 2012, that was just as the coalition had started really hacking back all the public spending. So if, if I wasn't already angry about uh, EMA, tuition fees and all the rest of it, then I was even more angry that I'd spent three years training to do something that ultimately there was no work in. So I ended up back at my mum and dad's house in Failsworth um, and my name popped up on the local Labour Party membership list and I got a phone call from the chair of the branch at the time, who's now councillor Norman Briggs, um, and he invited me to a branch meeting. Now back in 2012, before Jeremy Corbyn, um, there were probably about five active members of Failsworth Labour Party um, and all of them were over 60, so it was a very different landscape to how it is now. And I went along, and at that time, because of there being quite low numbers of active members, um, it wasn't too long before I was being encouraged to stand for council. And so that's how it happened, really. Uh, it wasn't something that was planned, it wasn't something that I aimed for, it was just that uh, someone said, oh, Sean, you'd be quite good, and you'd bring a bit of diversity to the Labour group on the council, do you fancy it? And back then you think, yeah, why not? I think I do have something to add. <coughs> so if you fast forward six years, and I'm sat in the beer garden of the Woodhouse Gardens uh, in Failsworth and somebody says, Sean, uh, we think things need to change at Oldham Council. <laughs> you know, like we encourage you to stand for, um, for Failsworth uh, six years ago. Well, do you fancy <laughs> standing for leader of the group? <laughs> I said, what, are you joking? Um, well, and I'd had like some positions, cabinet, deputy cabinet positions and stuff before. And I said, well, I'm not giving you an answer now, but I'll have a think about it because I, I am frustrated myself. Um, and we'll see. In the end, I've decided to do it, and uh, now I'm sat here as leader of Oldham Council. Was that worth it then, wasn't it? Well, I think to get so. here. <laughs> <laughs> to sit here in this room yeah, with bunker. you guys, very much so. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I, I like to think that in the last 12 months since I've been doing it, uh, perceptions of Oldham's leadership and governance have started to change. Oldham has a bigger voice at Greater Manchester and is now seen at things like the LGA conference, Labour Party conference, other events, you know, corporate events where we can attract investment into Oldham. It's now seen at those places in a way that it wasn't for the last two or three years before before I did this. So I like to think that I've brought a bit of a change. But, you know, a lot of that is just the, the degree to which you can make a change is, is limited and by the amount of money that we've had to take out of the council. Um, so, yeah, we, I, th I think we're in a better place, but there's no denying that it, it's still tough. You said perceptions then about Oldham. What do you think the perception was, or to some degree still is, of Oldham for people who will be listening to this but might not necessarily be from the town? Well, lots of people don't know where it is, and those that do assume it's part of Manchester. I was at the LGA conference uh, a few weeks ago where I said I was the leader of Oldham Council, and they said, oh, all the way up there in the northeast. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's not in the northeast. It's in Greater Manchester. Uh, I, I think there's just this, um, 
you know, perception that all the action in Greater Manchester happens in the city centre and that outlying towns have nothing to offer. And the best they can hope is to kind of leech off that, uh, the success of the, the, the city region, uh, the regional hub. Um, and we have to put up quite a fight to challenge that, really. I think there was also lots of people, including people that live within Oldham, um, the most vocal among them on social media, whether it be on social media or even people at like Northwest Tonight goes and Vox Pops in the street, often are really negative, mm. uh, which is a real shame, I think. But what has started to change and what I've started to see, and it's not entirely down to me, I, but there are the way the council has started to communicate and bring other organisations on, I think that's had a big effect. But what has started to change is that people are more willing to come forward and stand up for the place that they live and be, uh, and defend. You know, when Nigel Farage made those ridiculous comments about there being streets in Oldham where all the uh, brown faces live on one side and all the white faces live on the other side, we didn't have to queue people up or put people up to say, that's a load of crap, that. Mm. People just did it of their own accord. They mm. said, I live here, that's not true. Uh, and equally, you know, when people say it's just... Uh, Milltown, famous for Moore's murders and Moore's murders and chimney stacks and dirty buildings and all that. You say, actually, no. Look at Alexandra Park. Look at the villages in Saddleworth. Look at all these other things that we've got on offer. And so there's a lot more people who are feel empowered, I think, to come forward and say positive stuff about Oldham in a way that not so long ago they just didn't. Um, and I don't know how that's happened, but it's great that it has. Um, what are you saying about the? So Le- Oldham leeching off Greater Manchester. Mm. Do you think that's changed a bit since we've had um, a Metro Mayor who's for all of Greater Manchester rather than the power being concentrated solely in the city centre? Who is Andy Burnham, for anyone listening who doesn't live in Manchester, <laughs> <laughs> just in case? I think it really helps that Andy was an MP for Lee out in Wigan, mm. so he kind of gets the the situation that Oldham and other places like Rochdale and, and Tameside and Bury are in because he's had that experience of Wigan being sort of out in the sticks relative to, to the city centre. Um, and I do think that he is very much about uh, inclusive growth and um, around the conurbation so that the proceeds of growth are shared equally um, and that we can use the combined authority um, to stimulate growth in parts of the city region that have previously not had it. Whereas before, a lot of the relationships were informal between authorities in Greater Manchester before this came along and the informal relationships tended to exist between Salford, Manchester, Trafford and Stockport which is really interesting in itself because the political leadership of those four places apart from Manchester and Salford which is solid Labour is very different because until recently Trafford was Tory and Stockport was was Liberal Um, but they seem to have a very close relationship where they kind of got all the best stuff for that part of the city region Um, something that I've tried to do since we came along is build a bit of an alliance with Rochdale and Tameside and um, more recently Bury, because we think we have a lot of common interests and we can try and counterbalance that because even though we've got the combined authority the legacy of those relationships in South Manchester still exists um, and it's still something we have to fight against And what do you think has been the biggest hurdle in trying to bridge those gaps with other local authorities? Is it competing for the same things is a you know like you said the political makeup of different councils what's been the biggest difficulty you try to bridge those i think that um there's just a lot of inertia you know there's there's the way things have been done for a long time which has been to support the growth of the regional center in manchester mm. and that that's kind of the barrier you've got to break those attitudes because a lot of 
um, officers and a lot of politicians have been kind of around for a long time and geared towards that approach and, and they're still here um, and it's about changing people's attitudes and, and pushing back against that. I would say that's the biggest barrier. I would say that, you know, for anyone listening from Manchester, if anybody is listening from Manchester, you know, the relationship with that I have with Manchester, I like to think is quite strong as well. So I'm not trying to make them in, out to be the bad guy. And I know that to a certain extent, there are always going to be parts of Oldham that do serve as dormitory towns for the mm-hmm. city centre. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. If you, um, I, I live in Failsworth. And I think it's fantastic that at the end of my road I can catch the tram. Um, in one direction I'm in Manchester in 15 minutes and in the other direction I'm up here in Oldham. I think that proximity to Manchester City Centre does have its benefits, but you know there are still other ways that we need to do things to make sure that Oldham can realise its potential and make sure that we can get kind of well-paid jobs and opportunities for people here that old approaches were not delivering. So I'm staying on the Greater Manchester theme. Uh, one of the big things that Andy Burnham has been pushing, um, especially with regards to things he wants to do with the election coming up next year, has been the regulation of the buses. Mm-hmm. So I know obviously as well um, at the recent policy conference in Oldham we spoke about that as well, we had uh, Pascal from the Better Buses campaign speak to us. What do you think the best sort of way to go about making the buses a bit better, public transport in general, better for people in Oldham and the surrounding areas? Well, I think we need bus regulation. Uh, you know, I've I can say that because um, I can't get um, challenged legally to say that. <laughs> not my but I think we need it, and, and we needed it for a long time. You know, it was never deregulated in London because the MPs used the system in London, and I don't think that many of them realise how crap it is up here. You know, how expensive and unreliable and how unaccountable it is. Um, I go down to London, I think I've been down to London more times in the last 12 months as part of this job than I had in the rest of my life combined. Let's cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it's £1.50. Um, I didn't have to set up an Oyster account, I just used my bank card on the bus one day and an Oyster account was set up for me and all I had to do was put my email address on it and it told me where I'd been and it tell, told me how much I'd capped and all the rest of it. So it's £1.50 flat fare, you don't even have to think about it. Um, whereas up here you've got to pay cash, it's you know... Um, you have to work out what zone. You have to work out what zone, <laughs> yeah, and um, you know it's a fiver a day if you pay on the bus in cash for a day ticket on the on the um, firm that runs the services around it. You can get it cheaper on your app, I suppose, which is great for me, but again there's an argument that that um, is not great for people who are less well off because they don't have smartphones and yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, buses. Bus services can be run wherever the companies want. So I'm on the transport for Greater Manchester Committee and there's some service cuts coming forward next Friday. And the reason they're being withdrawn is just because the bus companies say, oh, they don't make enough money so we can't be bothered running them. Um, and we just need to restore some accountability. So when, so when people come and say to me, you know, Sean, the 83, um, the half past five in the morning journey that I used to use to get to work earlier has been withdrawn. I actually have some influence over whether that's going to get reinstated or not. Whereas at the moment I don't. Um, and we can control affairs, the routes, the timetables, and when these companies don't perform because we've done it via a contract route, we can either strip them of the contracts or they can pay penalties, which we're powerless to do at the moment. You also need to link buses with the other modes that we've got in Greater Manchester. You know, the tram is great, uh, regardless of what anybody says, and I, I think um, 
it's worth pointing out that a lot of people said if you bring the tram to Oldham, all it'll do is make it easier for people to get to Manchester and it'll all bugger off. It's not the case. The, all the data shows that the majority of journeys on our tram line are point-to-point -point journeys within Oldham, from Durker into Oldham Town Centre and from Oldhamwood into Oldham Town Centre and back again. Um, so we've got the tram um, and then we've got a, a heavy rail network as well. Um, which still exists in everywhere apart from all. Or we've got one station in all the moment. We've got yeah. Greenfield, mm -hmm. which hasn't got disabled access, um, which we, we need to sort out. And if we get control of the rail franchising in Greater Manchester, then we'll be able to sort that out too. So it's just about more local control, bus regulation, and fares that make sense and that are affordable. Because um, you know you can pay three pounds to park in the centre of Manchester. Mm -hmm. So if you can do that, why are you going to pay a fiver? for a bus ticket that's going to take you a bit longer mm -hmm. and you sit next to people you don't know and maybe even stand up. There's a lot of places where when you're self in the morning, you can't quite reach on the Metrolink. Mm. Where do you think the Metrolink needs to reach next? Right. So um, I think one of the problems that we have with the Metrolink is that if you, if you live in Oldham, you can get to Manchester and Rochdale great, quickly, easily. Um, if you want to go to Bury or you want to go to Ashton, and you're only doing it by a tram, because I acknowledge that there are bus services to these other places. Although there's no direct link from Oldham to Bury, And as everybody in Oldham always tells me, Bury's the promised land, it's got a fantastic market and everybody wants to go over there. But um, yeah, you have to go in and out of Manchester. So I think there is an argument for a kind of orbital uh, Metrolink route. Uh, the problem that we have in the way that we build a case for infrastructure projects like extensions of the Metrolink is it's determined by how much money can be raised in fares, um, which is not the same as the way that they do it in London. So here in Greater Manchester, the newest Metrolink line is down to Trafford Park, which costs 350 million. And the reason that we've spent 350 million on extending the tram line to Trafford Park is because we know that there's loads of people that want to go shopping at the Trafford Centre and loads of people that work on Trafford Park will use it. So they'll pay the fares and it will repay all the money that we've borrowed to build that line. You know, that's the way we've built the case for it. Whereas if we wanted, for example, to build a tram line that connected Oldham to Ashton or Oldham down to Middleton, because we've seen that there is going to be an extension from the Berry line into Middleton and it would be great if that could carry on up the hill into Oldham, then the issue that we have there is that at the moment, fair income, as we were to calculate, would not support that. So you can't build a case for it based on payback. Now the way we should be building a case is how do we rebalance the economy in Greater Manchester and how do we use infrastructure to use that? So it might be that in the early stages of a line such as that from Oldham to Middleton or Oldham to Ashton opening, it's not very busy, but what that may do is open up a load of development sites, brownfield mm. development sites on either side of the Metrolink line, housing sites, um, and make them more viable so that we can create jobs in places like North Manchester in the way that we need to. Um, now, I hasten to add that I've not got my eyes on any, any sites on the Oldham Ashton <laughs> corridor or anything. I don't want people listening to that and think Sean's after even more of our green belt. <laughs> Uh, that's not the case, but it's just an example, you know, because you can use transport infrastructure to unlock um, the potential of places like Oldham, Ashton, uh, Rochdale um, that currently don't have the infrastructure to support it. So we need to look uh, at how we build the case. And, and me and Alan Brett from Rochdale and Brenda from Tameside 
those are the kinds of things that we're always raising at Greater Manchester and saying we need to think differently about how we do this if we're serious about um, spreading the love uh, around the city region. It's an issue that we need to sort out as a city region. But the way we can sort that out is by the government giving us more powers to do it because we know what's best for it. Well, surely that's also a, a big geographical region in terms of the north-south divide. Mm. And so you, you mentioned it earlier, the fact that MPs all use the networks down there and yeah. they don't use the ones up here, so they don't have that personal understanding of the gulf yeah, if, uh, bet between. I think that's true, and and it's funny because I, I mean, I don't have my own car anymore. Sophie's still got one, so if anyone sees me driving a car, and <laughs> people are ready at their fingertips <laughs> on Facebook now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Sophie's still got a car that I use occasionally, but I don't have a car, so I, I get on the either the bus or the tram to come up to Oldham or to go to Manchester and have a meeting. And uh, I got on one morning, and there was somebody that worked for the council that was sat downstairs and said what the flaming hell are you doing on the bus? Like, because they didn't expect politicians and stuff to use it. And I think it's, it's true. Um, but yeah, you know, like I say, now Andy Burnham's based in Manchester, Mayor Greater Manchester, um, local politicians who understand the way the transport network works here are a far better place to determine what's right and what will work best here than uh, people down in the Department for Transport in London who have for 30 years looked after the bus network in London and let the rest of the country just take any old rubbish. Okay. Uh, maybe we should actually talk about, um, just on that topic, with you being out on buses, out on trams and stuff, mm. Oldham Labour Party could distinguish itself from other local party groups by actively promoting the fact that you get the bus, you get the tram, other mm. councillors do that. I know Martin's always going around doing stuff I like think, this. Yeah. I think one of the best things has been seen like, on social media, you see all the time, you know, Sean on his bike on Martin's journey to Manchester. Yeah, no, that was really good that with Martin, very, that journey yeah. from all across the Great Yeah, Manchester, he got, he got the, tra the, tra the tram down, there was like, should I get the tram or the bus back? And yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually kind of like doing stuff like that, like actively involving people on these yeah. journeys every day, it's yeah. small stuff, but I think that kind of cuts through. Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, that fold the bike video thing that I, I did yeah. for... Um, I can't remember what it was, was it cycle to work day or so, yeah. cycle to work week or whatever it was. Uh, that was like the most engaged with thing that the council put on its Facebook page for ages, mm -hmm. for a long, long time. It was really popular. Um, and it, it works for me in Fails as well because like, because you know, my world's quite compact anyway. Mm -hmm. So if I go and do home visits for people or go to surgeries on the bike or whatever, or see walking about or go down on the bus, then uh, it, it, it works for me um, in terms of like, being identifiable because yeah, people yeah. see you about in a really cynical way so it's like oh Sean's he's the one with that bite with the tiny wheels <laughs> um, yeah which which plays really well but I th you know um, the Labour Party should always have been about and, and, and it is you know and it still is despite what people say being in touch with mm. ordinary people in the way that others can never hope to be or whose values do not really conform to, to wanting to be in touch with ordinary people. So the more opportunities to engage with people um, in where, where people naturally are, mm. um, the better really. You know, I, I pick up issues in Tesco's when I'm shopping or in the gym or whatever, or, you know, somebody talked to me about a planning issue in the pool um, <laughs> at Oldham, <laughs> 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 which was really bizarre. <laughs> so uh, I need to go some. I need to go swimming somewhere else where people don't know. Where I am. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it is um, a really good point that instead of saying, "Oh, we have a surgery, and if you want to talk to us, come to us on this day," or "We're having a meeting, and you should come to talk to us on this mm -hmm. day," I think like you guys did where you had your stall at Pride the other weekend. 
um, uh, things like that, you know, when there's a local event. You know, just, just being seen about. The Labour yeah. Party sh is best when it's you know, present in communities mm -hmm. and visible. Um, and that doesn't have to be hard visibility where it's like a stand or a stall. It can just be just because people who are known to be associated with the Labour Party are just around. Mm. Uh, which, you know, I'm proud to say all of our councillors are, you know, they all live in the areas, but live in the borough, many of them live in the areas that they represent and just do normal things like normal people. So get pulled in the pub or wherever it may be. Um, so I think that's a good way to engage. Who's the best council? The best councillor, other, <laughs> other than you. Oh right, Martin Hassel. If you don't say him, you're not allowed on the podcast again. Yeah. <laughs> Martin is Martin is really good actually, um, and th these people. I don't know. I, I can't say that because that is just too controversial. No, we were. But in terms of getting councillors out into the community, yeah. Do you think that's something? Obviously, there's going to be more elections next year. Is mm -hmm. that something maybe the Oldham Labour Party should start thinking about sooner rather than later? Getting that identifiable, you know, yeah. on the doorstep, on the street corner, on, you know... Maybe maybe steer away from having councils on street corners. <laughs> yeah. True, that was a scandal we don't want to <laughs> reopen. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Do, you want, do you want to... Because obviously there's that trap that political parties fall into where an election's coming around so people are like oh you know it's that time of year we'll start seeing more of them now yeah is, is, yeah. is that something that's on your mind is that we should be a, an ever-present organization rather than every you know nine months we come back out on the doors and yeah though i do think sometimes that it is worth pushing back on that oh we only ever see you at election mm. time i mean the reason that we canvass at election time and not as much the rest of the year is because the rest of the year we're doing our jobs exactly. you know yeah. um but i think there is there are other um borough labor parties in gm and around the country who are incredibly active and uh canvas throughout the year and uh, run campaigns throughout the year and um we can do much more in Oldham. Mm -hmm. yeah. i think that we've identified some themes this year around supporting people in private lets because we know there's been an explosion in the number of people renting property privately and the quality of that is not always great. We want to support um, the campaign for bus re-regulation. Um, we want to um, campaign more on the environment and really seize that agenda. And in Oldham we've done a lot on the environment for a long time um, that we've not really got the uh, publicity out of in the way that we should. Um, and also to shout more about what we are doing to uh, mitigate the impact of police cuts uh, because crime and antisocial behaviour is a massive issue for lots of people and so we can't directly recruit loads of new police uh, in the way that we would like to although we, we, we recruited a small number with the through the mayoral precept last year but we can invest in things like youth services which is what we're doing and we should be campaigning for improved youth services and things like that you know when you are elected to council, you don't become an employee of the council, you are your community's person on the council, not the council's person in your community. Yeah. So it is our role to challenge the people that are the employees of the council and making sure that we're getting the best for our communities and the people that we represent. And that does mean that sometimes you run campaigns that put you into conflict with the people that work for the council. So like the recent thing where we've invested money in the youth service, that was an almighty battle of the Labour Party saying, you know, people are really upset and really worried about crime and antisocial behaviour, uh, particularly worried about youth antisocial behaviour. We need to do something at the council and then, you know, 
as it's 2019, the answer that we came back with was, oh, we've got no money, we're not sure what we can do. And they were, no, we really need to do something about this. And it was hours of meetings and stand-up rows and all the rest of it. We need to find cash for this and I don't care where it comes from. Uh, and in the end, we found um, the best part of 400K for new youth services in Alden. And that was because the Labour Party was, despite being the people that run the town, still campaigning. Um, for the council to do something even though that we're the people that do it because that's that's our role. So I think there's something about throughout the year reporting back on the progress of these campaigns that we've made but also about people like locally being really active as well. You know um, some of the best uh, things that I've done in, all, uh, in Failsworth have been uh, the simplest you know like community things that it's not necessarily a political issue although I would argue that Nobody other than the Labour Party is going to go out on a Saturday morning um, and plant red tulip bulbs <laughs> in the tree pits um, of the new trees that were planted next to the polling station. Um, <laughs> you know, it's those red tulips flower um, in the spring yeah. at the same time as the elections. But, you know, stuff like that and demonstrating that, you know, we do the we do the banging the drum around cooks, we do the youth services, mm. we do the buses, we do the police, we do all that sort of thing. But also, we are good local ward councillors and we give the monkeys about a place that we live and represent. You know, we've seen a bit of a rise in this, like, hyper-local independent thing across Greater Manchester. Yeah. And um, the people that try and promote that are oh, you know, it's about what's in the interest of the area, it's about setting politics aside. That is utter bollocks, you know. These people that stand as independents are, at best, closet Tories and, at worst... Closet Lib Dems. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something else. But that's, I mean, that is, that is terrible in itself, yeah. anyway. Um, but you, the idea that, uh, you know you can set politics aside and just work for the best for your area. It's complete rubbish because your politics determines what you think is the best for the area. Yeah. You know, if you're a Tory, you think that shutting every public service down and handing it over to people that want to make money out of it is what's in the best interest exactly. of the area. If you're in the Labour Party, you believe in investment and you believe in accountability. And, you know, these people that have gotten as independents um, have quickly found that being a councillor is not as simple as they thought because attendance records are shocking. Um, and that I've not seen much activity from them, um, but also that you know you have to work collaboratively. You know, I was talking about campaigning with the um, campaigning against the council, even though we run it on some mm. occasions. But it's about having good relationships with officers and stuff most of the time, so that you can get them to do things that you want to do for your community. Whereas these people think you can just barge in and say, "I know best," and you know it's these labour councillors are a waste of space and they don't give monkeys about the area and all that sort of rubbish. Um, and actually, it's just not the truth. Not true. So, in you know, it, it was like when we had a, a UKIP councillor elected in my ward uh, a couple of years ago. It was, I was devastated, particularly because we lost a, a really, really good and really mm. capable colleague. But it wasn't unhelpful because people immediately saw how utterly hopeless and vacuous these people are. Yeah. And I predict that with a lot of the independents that have been elected across the country this year in this recent wave of elections, the same thing will happen again. Uh, but it's just a shame that in the, through the process we've lost some really good people. And just sort of going back to the um, conversation around the, I don't want to say best and worst councillors, because we're, we're cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of, sort of the people who are currently in the council, obviously there's been 
a lot of councillors who've been there for a long time and obviously we've got a vested interest in there being more young councillors because yeah. obviously we like more young people in charge of anything. For now, until we get older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, used to, I used to think the same. <laughs> obviously having yourself and then Martin and George being on the council as well, you know, three young people, obviously yourself as leader, uh, Martin as a deputy cabinet member, mm. George doing a lot of good stuff up in Saddleworth. Um, how are we, how is the council sort of looking to sort of diversify even more with the terms of um, because obviously the perception is councillors are old people who've got nothing else to do at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, I suppose the part of the council is it needs to be for it to be effective. It needs to be representative mm. of the communities that it serves. And Oldham's got better in the last few years. You know, more women, uh, more young people. Until Martin came on, I was the youngest councillor. I was elected as the youngest in twenty twelve, and Martin was elected in twenty eighteen. So I spent six years as the youngest councillor. And I think uh, before that, Jim McMahon was the youngest councillor for nine years, and because he got on in '03, and then I got on in '2012, and I was the one that like not mm -hmm. not that. So what oh. you're saying is that Martin's going to be the next leader? <laughs> God, imagine. We'll just send this bit to Martin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think. Now that there's an active young labour branch in Oldham, that's made it easier for young people to um, get access sort of opportunities, I think. We're still not there yet. I think, you know, because I always used to think, um, in my ward meeting, in my CLP meeting, I, I signed up some mates to the Labour Party when I was elected to council council, because we're all sort of Labour supporters anyway. And I said, well, why, you know, it's only a pound or whatever it was at the time. And I got them to join. And then... They were like, oh, Sean, I've joined now, what do I do? And I thought, I really don't want to invite them to a branch meeting. <laughs> then they'll cancel the membership. Yeah. And I think it's about having more opportunities and forums for people who don't find those kinds of meetings accessible to access opportunities within the Labour mm. Party. And so you guys do that. I think the policy sort of conference things that we've been doing that you've mm. organised, of course, have been really effective in doing that. And I've seen people at those that I've never seen before, which I think is brilliant. And I've seen people that have come there and then subsequently got active in the party as well, which is exactly what we were trying to do, which I think is really good. So it's about making sure that we do, we do interesting, fun stuff, I suppose. Yeah. Fun, I'm not sure fun's the right word. But what it used to be was, you know, I'd get an email near election time saying, we take this leaflet round or we come out and knock on doors. And it was kind of like all work and no play. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I joined the Labour Party back in 2009, because I was involved in like Labour students and that, um, you'd go and you'd have debates about stuff and you could, because I joined the Labour Party for national politics. Mm -hmm. So even though I've ended up doing this, I didn't join because of dog dirt and because of community centres and stuff. Originally I joined because I was angry about education policy. Uh, you'd, um, all sorts of different national issues and branches and CLPs don't necessarily offer the, offer the forum to no, have a political discussion about those um, whereas those can be facilitated in other ways and I would say and I know really cautiously because um, I know people have mixed views on this but that's why Momentum has been so successful mm. because they provide that kind yeah, of space to do that mm. and, and you know I've seen them advertising events and discussions at like Charlton Socialist Club at the place in Ebden Bridge at the Moston Miners Club not, mm. not far from yeah. me um, about really interesting issues that if if I had the time and I'm not a member of Momentum and, and I would never be anyway because I, I, I don't want to get into factionalism mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but if I were just an ordinary sort of Labour Party member, I'd think, oh, I'll go to that because yeah. it sounds quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about doing stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be momentum. We can do it, you know, we can do it as, as the Labour Party, yeah. generally. We want to obviously do more fun things, discussions about hosting film nights and having chats with more politically themed films. Yeah, I don't think people quite understand the scope of things that are political. Yeah. Like we say, oh, you can engage with things on a political level, but, but at the same time you can engage with other things that you've got no idea are political, but then you introduce exactly. the ideas to them and yeah, they start yeah. to understand, oh, you know, that yeah. is... Political. At the same time, we want to sort of... People think, oh, the Labour Party, yeah, they just go and knock on doors and deliver leaflets. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, the young Labour group, we're just a group of friends who... You know, we do stuff we like this. We've knocked yeah. a lot of doors. Yeah, we've knocked a lot of doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we've we also find that kind we've of also had a lot of meals at Molino's, and we've, you know, we're doing stuff like this, and we we get together and just have a chat sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's quite nice to have that sort of. This would be a good time to uh, shout out our sponsors, the mini hash browns at Molino's. Have <laughs> <laughs> you had them yet? No. No, no, no. We'll just take him round. Like <laughs> no, yeah. Um, but like this sort of idea that the Labour Party is only for. Knocking on doors, getting into power, and then going you know, to the pub. In, in, yeah, being in charge of the council and going to, and going to Weatherspoons yeah. is completely sort of absurd. You don't need to be in the council to go to Weatherspoons. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but, but I think because you because you asked like, are we going to get a bit of a, a you know a more diverse council? And I think that there's, there's a role. It's incumbent on people like me as well to kind of identify people that we need to work mm. on to get them because because. Yeah. You know, you don't get paid a lot for being a councillor, despite what you know we might say. Um, you get quite a lot of grief. You're on call twenty four seven, so there is a real difficulty in attracting people to want to do. Because why? Why would you want to have to carry a blackberry around with you all the time? Mm. That anyone can, mm. your numbers public, and anyone can ring you any time and shout down the phone at you. And and, and and why would you want to do it? So so there's a thing about you know people like me identifying people and saying it's not that's not the and be all and end all of it you know there's a lot more to it but also you know I think through being a more accessible organisation and doing more informal stuff then that will make it easier for people to come forward um, but yeah the, I suppose that, that identifying bit is the bit that comes after that so that we can say actually we do need more young people or we need more women or mm. whatever and then we can target people that we, need, that we should work on to come forward as, as candidates you mentioned then that idea of being out in the open and everyone's got your number and everyone can contact you and stuff yeah. like that I think a lot of people don't quite class politicians as people. Yeah. They see them as targets of their own kind of hire. Yeah. So what? So if you could give anyone listening an idea of what it's like, and you've got 10, 15, 100 people accusing you of doing things you've never heard of, you know, with projects you've got no control over, yeah, yeah, yeah. and financing that you've got no idea, you know, that kind of thing where just blame is attributed to you, especially yeah. as a council leader individually. Yeah. What's that like, that process opening your phone and being like, oh God, not this again, or do I comment on these, do I say it's not me, what, what goes through your head? I think, I think it was difficult when I was quite new, um, because I never experienced it to the extent that I get it now as leader of the council, so when I was new, it was quite, and then you determined to sort of respond to everybody, and then, I mean, I'd try... I don't take it so particularly seriously, and so I, you know, I've blown kisses at the cracks <laughs> on Twitter and stuff like that to wind them up. But then the thing that helps actually is on Facebook. If you if you run a Facebook page like I do, it tells you how many people have seen your post. Mm -hmm. So like I put some up the other day, and it got like six, seven comments of abuse. 
Um, but it was actually seen by two and a half thousand people. Right. So you're like, if it's yeah. uh, two and a half thousand people, if it's seven, and it's the seven people whose names are recognised, <laughs> the same seven people all the time. You think, you know what? I can take that. And the other thing is, that these people just make themselves like idiots anyway. You know, you just like a bitter old idiot. I did um, have a go at somebody that came to my surgery once to uh, give me a lot of grief and, and walked in, and, and it was exactly as you described. You know you know, this person's not human, so I can just go and talk to them like, like shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they came in like that. And then I started giving it back. And they were surprised when I started giving it back. And they said, you can't speak to me like that. I said, yeah, I can, because I'm not an employee of the council, so I can't be disciplined. I'm just someone that lives around here who happens to have been elected to council. I can talk to you how I want. So, um, and then they, that that was that. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's it about, you know, they complain, people like that complain that you're not human, and then when you react like a human being, they don't like it. <laughs> so, uh, this machine is dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there have been occasions like where I've come down a little too much on the wrong side of that kind of behaviour, but um, I, I think that I've matured a little bit in the last 12 months. <laughs> so no, it, it doesn't bother me anymore, but it, it, it was kind of tough in the beginning. I mean, the, the, the funniest one was where we had a public meeting in Failsworth, and there was a guy that stood at the back of um, the room in a big room full of people and shouted, you don't care, you don't even live around here. And I was, and we was in Failsworth Town Hall and there's like this, these glass windows that overlook the canal and it's like, so you've got this lovely vista and then you can see the housing estate. And I said, look mate, if I don't live around here, it's news to me because as far as I'm aware, that's my house over there. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, I don't know. I don't know, but you're always going to get people. Like yeah. that. <laughs> I was going to say because um, I know my own experience of being out during the local elections helping canvas. The amount of people who were having to go to Oldham Council for not getting Brexit sorted. Yeah, hilarious. yeah. Why haven't you sorted that out yet? Yeah, no, I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> Oldham's trade deal with Norway, or that's I a, do you think there needs to be some sort of? I use the term education program, like, but some sort of education for local people of what a councillor is capable of doing. Maybe that would help people understand where they could funnel their, you know, complaints or ideas or anything like that. Do you think there's a misconception that people have about councillors that they are maybe more powerful than they actually are? I think that's what I I think that we could certainly benefit from better citizenship education in schools mm. so that people kind of yeah, get what yeah. local government does and what national government does because I don't think that that's done uh, as well as it could be at the moment but I would caution against designing kind of education programs based on the behavior of a vocal minority mm. I think most people do get it you know yeah. most people understand what the council does and just don't say anything, you know, they don't complain about the council not doing anything because they know that it's not the responsibility of the yeah. council, for example. You know, the, the people that um, complain about the council not doing stuff are the people that don't understand and are kind of vocal minority. And, you, you know, sometimes th- those are the people who just respond to and say, look, you know, I could, if I could help you, I would. Um, or the, the thing that I've always said when I go around uh, canvassing for myself, because, uh, you know, twice, twice I've been um, elected in fails with now. It's always, you know, I can't promise I can do everything you want, but if you come to me for help, I'll do what I can, and if I can't help you, I'll be honest about it and say this is why. Um, and, and most people appreciate that, you know. Most of the time, I've, you know, I've written plenty of letters over the last eight years where I've said, this is, I've not been able to get everything you wanted, this is why, I know it's not the answer that you'd like, 
uh, and I'm as disappointed as you sort of thing and people are understanding mm. generally so so, you, so you're up for election again next year yeah yeah provided I get reselected selected yeah <laughs> so that's probably going to be a pretty tense experience isn't it well you've obviously not been in this position before where you're the council leader and also up for election yeah, yeah. how do you think that's going to change the way you go into work every day in those months preceding the election or do you think it will change it at all I think I mean I know that I've got a a bigger target on my back as a result of being the council leader mm. now and there's lots of people that would like to uh, remove me um, but you know my, my antidote to that when I go out campaigning will be well, well what is it that, that you want you know if I'm not here um, then what is it that you actually want instead mm. um, I think that I'm doing I mean I was always quite active in Falesworth anyway and, and to be honest I'm quite relaxed about it because I know that when I get to May and they tip that box up on the Friday on the Thursday night I'll have done everything that I can uh, and I'll have done everything that I believe to be right in my ward and, and, and if the people in Failsworth agree with me that you know the things that I've done around getting roads done, uh, campaigning against school cuts, recruiting police, planting tulip bulbs in the tree pits, <laughs> that sort of stuff. If people think that you know I've done a good job, they'll vote for me. And if they don't, then they won't. Because the only thing that people who are likely to try and um, get rid of me have got is negativity. They don't offer anything. In the same way that you know lots of opposition parties and independents across all of them in the last set of elections didn't have a manifesto, didn't offer a vision for anything. They just said... Labour's rubbish, um, so don't vote for them. Yeah. But most people are reasonable and sensible and would f- respond to that by saying, well, why should I vote for you then? And as long as we remind people what Labour Party values are and how we do work hard in our communities, um, I think that people come through in the way that George did against the odds in Saddleworth North and in the way that Clint did in Royton North which was hotly contested because of the controversy around the spatial framework. But you mentioned that stuff about um, obviously Royton North and the issue around the spatial framework. I saw that there was um, a march against the uh, housing plans from Tandle Hills um, not, not long before the elections. I know that's been quite difficult for the council with sort of obviously there was controversy about uh, the planning, some planning committee decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are we looking to get our message across that we need more homes well I think you know you just can't you can't say that enough you know we're required to provide land for 14,000 homes in Oldham over the next 20 years uh, 19 20 years um, and we cannot provide all of that from previously developed sites or brownfield sites as, as they've been called and so it does mean that we have to have some really difficult conversations about the green belt and whether it was me in charge, whether it was a Tory administration in charge or Lib Dem administration in charge at Oldham, we would still be having to have these conversations because these targets are um, placed on us by the government. Um, and so even if I were to be gone, even if the writing councils were to have lost in May earlier this year, this would have still been happening because it's a requirement uh, of the government. Now, I think one of the, one of the places where we get challenged is because in Greater Manchester not every authority is allocating enough land to meet its housing target. There are some authorities that have, I don't want to say ducked tough decisions, but have, well, I just did, <laughs> have uh, reduced the pressure on the green belt for political expediency and mm-hmm. placed their some of their allocations onto Manchester and Salford in the form of apartments and things. 
And I had a meeting with a Greenbelt campaign group the other night who said, well, why can't you do that in Oldham? Um, and well, one of the answers is that Manchester and Salford is kind of at capacity and the apartment market on which those authorities are relying is slowing down. So there's a question about whether that's even a sensible and viable option to do. But the other thing is that even if it were not for the spatial framework and is doing all of this in Greater Manchester, the council would still have to do a local plan mm. and allocate enough properties um, anyway. So it makes sense for us to kind of do our own numbers and look after ourselves in both the spatial framework and the local plan. Because as people that are listening to this might know, uh, the Labour Party lost control in Bolton in May and it's now run by the Tories. Uh, it might be interesting the results that might come forward in Stockport next May and see who's in charge there after the local elections there. And so the spatial framework itself may run into difficulty uh, after the, the elections next year. And if that does fall apart, then that will mean that places that have reduced their housing allocation and loaded it into Stockport, uh, into Salford and Manchester will then, under their local plan, have to look again at all of the green belt that they've taken out. Whereas we won't have to do that because we've had the difficult conversation in one go, up front and been honest with people. It is important that you know you engage with people as much as possible. Our consultation, drop-in sessions and our process is arguably more comprehensive than anything that any other authority has done around Greater Manchester. And, and we've taken a lot of heat for that because people have come to those and been really angry. As you would expect, you know, if you've looked out on a field for the last 30 years and then someone tells you that you're not going to look out, you might not be looking out on a field for the next 30 years, um, then I can understand why people would be upset. So people came along and, and expressed their views and sometimes it was heated. Um, but there are other authorities that didn't have those opportunities for people to do that, whereas we did, you know, so we were quite brave in doing that. The other thing is that... Uh, Hannah Roberts, the cabinet member for housing and I and um, planning college, uh, officers have invited in the leaders of the different Greenbelt groups to talk through the proposals and said, well, what is it that you like the least about this? Um, and if you draw up a list of the kind of things that you would like to see change most and rank them in order, then we will work with you and do the process around identifying more brownfield sites and increasing densities in town centres and things and see how far down the list we can get and remove things that you mm. are not happy with. And we've done that with the guys in Royton, we've done that with the people in Chatterton, doing it with people in um, Woodhouses and Failsworth near where I live. And it's about saying, you know, you, you do have a stake in this process and you've got buy-in. We're not going to be able to agree everything that you want, but ultimately we've got this target to meet. And um, as long as you understand that, even though you might not be 100% happy, we're going to work with you to do the best that we can. And generally speaking, the people that have engaged with us as part of that process have been quite, I, th I think positive is probably over-egging it, but you know, um, conciliatory, I suppose. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the same as kind of the angry keyboard warrior comments on Facebook sort of stuff. These people have been genuinely constructive and said, look, Sean, don't agree with you on this. And they've been quite honest about that. Um, but they've been, you know, it's been a constructive sort of conversation rather than just, Sean, you want to rip up this field and concrete all for it, and Sean, you want to kill all these animals. And stuff. <laughs> With the all those stuff that I've seen over the last couple of weeks, um, which is the stuff that maybe 12 months ago, as we were discussing it before about social media, I might have um, left sarcastic responses to, but today I've learned <laughs> not to do that. So. But no, you know, I don't want to make light of it really. You know, I know that um, a lot of people will be upset about this. Um, but like I say, whether it were me sat in this position or somebody else, even from another party, we would still be doing it. Mm. Um, 
and we're just trying to do it in the, the best way possible by engaging people. So you're talking there about the future of Oldham, mm. which I'm going to assume these projects and, and stuff to go ahead as planned now will be something you won't be here in Oldham to see through, because these are long-term things, mm. aren't they, some of these? So in terms of the future, for two people who currently live yeah. in rented accommodation in Oldham, what is the future looking at within the next 10 to 15 years rather than these long-term yeah. plans for Greenbelt and stuff? What's the near-term future goals for Oldham? Well, I mean, the Greenbelt stuff is like a 19-year plan, so yeah. it's, it might be a bit sooner than you're imagining. But the, the, the ambition for Oldham, I suppose, is to make Oldham Town Centre more sustainable as a sort of destination by diversifying away from retail, giving it, making it a place that people want to visit from the, the other side of Oldham, as we describe it, uh, in Failsworth. Uh, I often, or I did, um, I've got new material now, but in the first 12 months I spent a lot of time talking in places um, where I went to speak about how when I went to Oldham Sixth Form College, I started meeting people from like Saddleworth and Shaw and Wrighton and everything, and, and we talked about what people were doing on Friday and Saturday night. And uh, we'd always go out into Manchester because we lived in Failsworth and it was easy, mm. um, but people from the other side um, would either not go out or go into Oldham, and Oldham yeah. was not a great place to go out. Shout um, out to the Abbey for anyone yeah. remembers it. Ooh, yeah, the Abbey. House. Yeah. All that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we used to go to the Buckingham Union and then go to the castle. Oh, the castle which, was which great. quite funny because um, the castle, the demolition of the castle was one of the first decisions that came to council when I was elected in 2012. So down the place that I used to go. But, um, Everyone always kind of wanted to do it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> when you walked in. <laughs> yeah, well, I think like... Um, I mean, there's still some good live music. Been used well, to the well, the Jackson's Pit was always a good call yeah. as well, but I don't know what's going on with that anymore. Um, maybe you do. <laughs> Jackson's Pit. No, man, I can check that out. Maybe I can. Yeah. I'll add that to the list yeah. for after this. There's the whole thing about changing perceptions of Oldham, so that people who do well are more minded to stay than they are at the moment. Um, about improving the quality of housing stock that we have, so that if you want to step up the housing ladder you don't have to leave, mm-hmm. uh, about creating decent jobs in the area, um, about making sure that we get the most out of the opportunities that Devolution offers us in Greater Manchester. And I think one of the things that's quite technical that Devolution does offer is around health, because we have the big health Devolution mm-hmm. deal in, in Greater Manchester. And at the moment the like, life expectancy gap in Oldham between Colderst and Saddle South is 12 years, so mm-hmm. you can live 12 years longer if you move to Greenfield from Colderst. On average, people live long, and through a lot of the money and funding that we've got, we've we've improved a lot of the health indicators in Oldham much quicker than the national average has improved, which is brilliant. So it's perceptions and prosperity, I suppose, uh, the two P's. And I think the one thing that I want to do as well in Oldham um, that is not the way that other authorities have done it is we're turning Oldham round for Oldham. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not talking about building loads of fancy flats and gentrifying the place and shifting yeah. the poor people out in a way that other parts of the country have. Yeah. This is about saying we want to create quality jobs for the people of Oldham, we want quality housing for the people of Oldham, we want to improve the life chances and health and education for people of Oldham. This is about, you know, like build a great new school, build a load of posh executive homes and attract people that would otherwise go to South Manchester. This is about turning the town around for the people that live in, like me uh, and like you guys. And that's going to be a lot harder, isn't it? Yeah, it would be a lot easier to um, to go down the opposite yeah, direction. Yeah, you know, it would be a lot easier to just pull down uh, impoverished neighbourhoods yeah. and replace it with um, 
expensive homes uh, and, and that, but it's not the right thing to do because you, all you're doing is just moving the demands that those people place onto somewhere else and you're not solving their problems. Whereas the Labour Party should be about solving mm. the problems of people that are living in poverty or in insecure work or are less well off. Got like a message for the next message? Uh, well, you know, by the time that you send this out, we might be in the middle of a general election campaign yeah, as well, um, which is really interesting. So, you know, I suppose I think the thing to look out for in Oldham over the next few months is the um, Green New Deal stuff that yes. we're doing, yeah. because you know, lots of other councils have. Um, done climate emergency motions and declare climate emergencies. We did it at the combined authority, mm. um, and there are other places around GM have done it. And there's been criticism of that in the in the MEN, not least um, about how you know it's all very well saying, oh, it's a disaster, the world's on fire. Mm. Um, let's all be sad about that. But there's not been enough. Um, you know, this is what we're going to do. Now, Oldham hasn't declared a climate emergency, but what we have done is saying we're going to do a Green New Deal, which is consistent with Labour Party policy. So, as well as our sort of like plastic free things that we've been doing, as well as the renewable energy stuff that we've installed on schools and also got the Archimedes screw. Although someone will write in and tell me off for calling it the Archimedes screw because it, it apparently it's not one up at Dustone Reservoir, the hydroelectric project. Um, we're going to have a lot more policy proposals on green projects coming forward over the next few months and so I think those are things that are really interesting mm. to look out for and to promote because Oldham has been leading the way in GM if not across the entire region in green stuff for a long time and uh, we're really going to start stepping it up over the next few months because of our Green New Deal. Brilliant. I think it's just really refreshing to have instead of most political podcasts or politically themed podcasts I do tend to be, you know, someone sat in a room, suit on, very relaxed, well, Alex is in a suit, but that's just his, like, casual wear. It's, it's okay, I'm taking it off now. <laughs> um, like, in a suit, very media managed, very, you know, there's a, li- there's a line that they need to take and they've been briefed beforehand. All we sent to Sean was a couple of ideas on what we wanted to talk about, told him to speak about what he wanted, and to come in something comfortable and he, you know, turned up on a Saturday morning, shorts, t-shirt. You remember it very well. <laughs> I just think one of the best things about it is we've got this access that not all many people have where we're quite friendly with you know, senior people yeah. in the council, senior MPs, yeah. se- you know, senior political figures in the town and I think it's only fair that we get to share some of the access that we have by, yeah. you know, not many people can go up to the leader of the council and just sit in have a, have a j- jokey chat with him for, you know, an hour and a Two half. Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and just make out that, you know... Don't worry, we will let him go. <laughs> After he signs a few more things. <laughs> and at the same time, we don't get that sort of... In, you don't get this sort of intimacy on, say, social media. You, no. follow, you follow someone on... You follow someone like Sean on Twitter, yeah, you get to see his little jokes and mm. his little comments to journalists. But... Uh, you don't really just get to hear what he has to say. You just see them in those 140, 280 character tweets. And it's hard to make a compelling case about anything in that sort of context. Yeah. Um, particularly issues that we have in Oldham that have um, been compounded over years and decades. Mm. So then, when, as we were talking about earlier, he, he I think he was, uh, he was good at illustrating uh, how difficult it is sometimes to get the messages across to people who are trying to engage in a manner that you cannot actually express the severity yeah. in. I think another important thing for people to notice is 
you hear from people from national government all the time. They're all over the show. Boris Johnson is on television pretty much 24-7 now that he's the Prime Minister. But the people who have the most effect on your lives aren't national politicians. It's local local politics has so much of um, an impact on our lives. It's the thing that drives most of what we see as being a public service. You know, your bins being emptied, schools, um, adult services, social services, looking after, you know, ch- vulnerable children, uh, healthcare in, in Greater Manchester. The NHS is devolved to the city region, so... People like Sean have much more of an impact on your day-to-day life than Boris Johnson, Nigel Farage, Jeremy Corbyn. It's one of those. It's we need to hear more from our local government leaders. Absolutely, and that's something we do. Uh, yeah, intend to continue doing it with the podcast. Jeremy uh, Corbyn. Yeah. Right. Have we got a time limit? Um. Well, seven. Seven. So now. So now. <laughs> if you keep us five minutes, we'll wrap up and come upstairs. Is that okay? No Thank you. I'm now featuring your recording. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's alright. Um, the so prison guards are letting us out. Yeah. <laughs> um, in sort of the next weeks, months, years. Decades. 10,000 years. <laughs> so however long we you know, we run this podcast, we want to sort of get to know the issues here in Oldham. Uh, we're going to speak to our local MPs, hopefully. Um, we've already had some interest from Debbie Abrams since uh, the time of recording. Um, we want to speak to the people who not necessarily maybe make decisions but have a a better understanding of topics than us. So They're stakeholders in yeah. the decision making. Yeah. yeah, so we want to speak to academics, um, ordinary people off you know, off the street, not well not necessarily off the street, but you know, ordinary people in Oldham, people yeah. who we know, people who we we speak to, we who we hear these issues from. Um like we are going to the Labour Party conference in September. We'd love to get a hold of some people there. And um, do interviews with them. <laughs> yes, that too. Um, you know, we've we care really about what's happening for young people in Oldham as well. So if you've got if you've got a really good idea, get in touch with us. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We're more than happy to take suggestions. We may not listen to them. Yeah. We are but we will definitely hear them. It may very well be a case, and I'm, I'm sure it will be, that some some weeks we'll just exhaust Oldham's um, social network of of people in these positions, and we may want someone from a completely different yeah. walk of life. Uh, we, and if you've got that suggestion, send it in. And we may just start branching out even further. We might just get the Prime Minister on at some point. We don't know. If we're free. If we can spare the time. <laughs> but now, um, I believe there's a little bit of a political gossip from Oldham that Alex may want to share with us. Now, I'm not one to gossip, Josh, as you well know. However... (laughs) And that is where we end. (laughs)